0: Colossians 2, 8 to 23. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends upon human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world, rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead." When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body. But they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Well, I don't know about you, but I'm a bit of a sucker for Danos Direct products. You know, when you're watching this infomercial and you think, maybe I need knives that can cut through my shoes... Or an ab swing pro, where you stand on it, and you just get abs. You know, I watch these and like, what? <laughs> maybe I need that. And look, if it wasn't for my wife, I would be calling up. You know, yes, yeah, four easy installments. I can do that. Yeah, I'm a bit captivated, a bit, bit of a sucker for them. Paul in Colossians says all of us are captivated by something that is far more serious than products. And that is ideas. Have a look at verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world, rather than on Christ. That word philosophy is it's an all-encompassing word. It means worldview, ways of understanding, ideas of thinking, and so often we're captivated by them wowed by them, moved by them, so impressed by them that we, in the end, move away from Christ. All sorts of ideas are coming at you every day. Humanism, capitalism, feminism, chauvinism, hedonism, multiculturalism, nationalism, ideas that tell you where your meaning comes from, your purpose, what life's all about, the ethical choices you should make. And Paul is saying, don't let them captivate you. Now, it's important to know what he's not saying here. Paul is not saying, never attend a philosophy class. Never read an author by someone who's not a Christian. Don't listen or understand worldviews that are different to yours. No, no, he's not saying that. He's saying, don't let them captivate you. Why? Well, two reasons. Well, firstly, they depend on human tradition, and scratch a bit further, they're, they're a bit hollow. I'll tell you what I mean. The problem is, us humans are trying to work out together how to understand this world, and we always think the ideas we come up are pretty impressive. But here's the thing: those who lived five hundred years ago, what we think about what they thought is pretty barbaric, isn't it? Pretty uneducated, pretty intolerant, pretty weird. Do you not think in 500 years' time people will think the same of us? Think, really? You thought we came from monkeys? Really? You thought gender was fluid? Really? Your main criteria for making a choice was did it make you happy? They will roll their eyes at the things that we find so impressive. Human tradition, hollow. The second reason why well, don't let it be captivated is it depends on elemental spiritual forces, and we're deceived. Here's the thing. When Satan came to Eve, the tempter in the garden, did he bring a stick or a wad of cash or a bunch of porn magazines? No. He brought an idea. Did God really say that you can't really trust him. So you need to take action and take his throne. And from every culture, from Babel to ours, we have followed suit. We say, you can't really trust God. We've got to take action and take his throne and say what's what. But friends, if Christ is all, which is the theme of our series, the theme of Colossians, if he is the head of every power and authority, then that includes the ideas we think. The philosophies, the worldviews that we come across. Is Christ all in that sphere? Rather than being captivated by other ideas apart from Christ, 2 Corinthians verse 10 on the screen, chapter 10, verse 5 says, We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We filter everything through Jesus, through God and his word. And so what I want to do is take one idea that's very popular which we're all into at the moment, which is be true to yourself, right? That's sort of the idea that's in vogue at the moment, be true to yourself. And let's take that captive and make it a beating through Christ as we go through this part of Colossians chapter 2. Does that make sense? So let's sort of just unpack this idea, which we're sort of all familiar with, be true to yourself. Like all good ideas, it starts in a good place. God has made you in a certain way that's different to the person sitting next to you, and that's a good thing. One of the things they tell you when you learn to preach is you've got to learn to preach the way God's made you, right? Because often you preach the way you to those who you listen to. So you sort of, you know, if I start listening to John Piper, I might be more like John Piper, all that kind of thing. If I... You know, if I start preaching like an African-American preacher, you know, hmm, do I hear it? You know, you think, that's not really you, James. <laughs> I'd like it to be, but it's not, right? I've got to preach the way James Galea preaches, because that's me. Got to, so there's a good thing in that. That's, that's sort of being content and thankful for the way God's made you. But it starts at a good place, but it creeps beyond that. As verse 19 says, the head loses connection with The body moves away from God. So be true to yourself. Where has this crept into? It's the idea that no one or nothing, whether parents, society, politics or church, should impose their views onto you. You've got to think for yourself. Be true to yourself. That the key to your freedom, your happiness, your dreams, is you've got to listen to you. So feelings and internal instincts are what we filter everything through. So it doesn't matter if it's true, but is it true for you? Does it resonate with you? Where feelings, the emotion, come first, and they trump promises, truth, science, duty, and God. And in the end, if you sort of scratch a bit further beneath this, be true to yourself idea, which we all lap up, it, it is a bit hollow. I mean, at one level, it's ironic, right? We're told not to conform, don't let anyone conform, and yet we're all conforming to this one idea of be true to yourself. It's a bit of irony there, but it's, it's complex, right? Which version of you do you got to be true to? I mean, January 1, want to go to the gym, want to get fit. January 2, oh, you can't be bothered, you want to eat pizza. Which version of you is true? You meet someone in the shop. Another example. You haven't seen them in a while. Hey, you're looking good. Love the hair. You know, you look really good. The next moment, you're pushing that person out of the way to get the last toilet paper roll. <laughs> Which version of you is going to be true to? It's complex, right? But it's also deceptive. Because when your feelings trump God, then in the end, you're back in the garden. With Satan saying, did God really say? Because you don't really resonate with it. It's not really true for you. And in the end, you say, move off, God. I'll sit in the throne. And in the end, this idea, as we're coming to realise, has led to a mental health crisis like we've not seen before, where sociologists are raising the alarm that a generation that is born and bred on being true to yourself is more depressed, anxious, lonelier than we've seen. Now, what do you do, right? What do you do with this? Because this is everywhere. It's the moral to every movie you watch. It's sort of the thing. It's educated. We live it and breathe it. We're swimming in it all the time. You can either move to a non-Western country, but there you're just going to find a whole bunch of other ideas. Or you can do what that verse is on the screen. You take captive every thought and make it obedient through Christ. So let's do that, right? With that in mind, let's take this captive and move from verse 9 to verse 15, and we're going to look at four things, and they all start with the letter F, and I've done that at no extra charge, right? So four things, we're going to look at it. The first is this, fullness. Verse 9, "'For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head of every power and authority.'" I love that word fullness. It kind of reminds me of how I feel when I leave a Lebanese restaurant, right? Full and with doggy bags, right? And what it's saying there is Christ, verse 9, is not part God. is not a bit of God, but fully God. To put it crassly, you cannot get any more God into Jesus, right? He is not missing anything. He is fully God. And if that is true for Jesus Christ, Paul says, verse 10, when someone becomes a Christian, that fullness dwells in you. Now let me clarify, that doesn't mean you and I become divine, but the divine lives in you. You've been filled in him as the Holy Spirit enters you, united to Christ, brought to the Father. At every spiritual level, you're full and not missing anything. What are the side effects of be true to yourself is FOMO, the fear of missing out. This anxiety that creeps up where we live in this constant state of, I feel like I'm missing out on something. And because our feelings are leaving, leading us in all sorts of directions, sort of, maybe I've got to do this, I want more, I've got to change this, maybe... And as a Christian, you could feel that, Right? Where well, maybe I'm missing something. Maybe I'm not a complete Christian. Maybe there's a secret which I haven't discovered where there's more. I felt this recently. This is the year of enjoying God, right? And I've noticed there's those around me who enjoy God differently to me. So, for example, Paul Dale, Nick Wood, two other pastors. And the way they talk about God is so vivid and so that I feel like I'm missing out And maybe they're got more Jesus in them than me. But a verse like this has been very personally helpful. In Christ, you've been brought to fullness. That just as Jesus is not missing anything, I'm not either. And neither are you. You don't need anything else to fill you up because you have Jesus Christ dwells in you. And you notice... That's true of you now. It's who you really are. The second F, flesh. Verse 11. In him you were also circumcised. With a circumcision not performed by human hands, your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. The phrase being true to yourself has actually been in the Bible all along. It's said slightly differently. You see it there, the second sentence of verse 11. Your whole self ruled by the flesh. But it's not a positive thing, right? We say, I need to be true to yourself, I need to be true to myself, but God doesn't want us to be true to ourselves, Right? Because our self is ruled by the flesh. See, God made us, right? And that was good. And yet, because of sin, we're born broken. Every single one of our desires, our attractions, our aspirations, our thoughts is out of sync with God because of sin. It is broken. Our TV at the moment. TV is fine, but the aerial plug... It's broken, and so you turn on the TV, three air channels, and it's all fuzzy. I can see a little bit, but every channel, no matter what channel—ABC, Channel Seven, Channel Nine—they're all broken. I can still watch a bit of TV, sort of this fuzzy thing, but it's not what it's supposed to be. And that's like us—we're not what's supposed to be. We are ruled by the flesh. We are sinners. The problem with being true to yourself is we're being true to our sinful brokenness. You might have noticed the word circumcision mentioned in there. It's talking about the solution, right? It says, verse 11, in him you will also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Now, circumcision, uh, just to highlight, is just the foreskin removed of the penis. I highlight that. Just because some people, see, I've been in the case, situation where people with English is second language. What is that word? And they Google it. And, anyway. So that's what that is, <laughs> just to save you, <laughs> that awkwardness. But it was, there's pointing to circumcision, an external thing to make one right, holy. And that kind of idea is common. Where I got to external things, do external things to fix this problem, to fix what's wrong, it's me or the world. So those circumcisions not in vogue. Education, or therapy, or freedom, or opportunities. We've got to do things out here to fix what's wrong with the world. That the problem is out there. The only problem in here, really, is probably just to drink a bit more kombucha, right? But all the problems are out there. But not so with Jesus. He goes deeper. His says, problems in here. At the Times, many years ago, asked a number of well-known authors, with one question, what's wrong with the world? They all responded in different ways, but G.K. Chester had said, dear sir, I am. And he got it. He got the problem of a whole self ruled by the flesh, that we're dead in their sins, that we're born broken, that the problem is in here, ultimately. You might be thinking, "But doesn't this promote a bit of low self-esteem? Have a look at verse 13. When you were dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. So the problem with self-esteem is you're, if you're always telling yourself, I'm awesome, I'm amazing, in the end, it's hard to fool yourself because you know yourself, right? Don't worry about self-esteem. Worry about the esteem that God gives you. When you're at ab- your absolute worst hopeless, down and out, in that moment, God made you alive. He wanted you to be with him forevermore. And nothing can change that. Cassandra Scott was swimming at Coogee Beach a number of years ago, and her heart stopped. And if it wasn't for four people who gave a CPR, she would not be here today. She could not help herself. She needed outside help. Now, she didn't know those four people from a bar of soap. When it comes to our situation, God knows us personally. He knows our situation. He knows our selfishness. He knows our sin. And yet God gets the defibrillators out and brings life to us in our spiritual deadness. He moves us from death to life, and he does that through his son, Jesus Christ, united to him. See, Jesus came for the reason, the very problem, that we were true to ourselves, And he came to bring life so that you would have life to the full and true, not to yourself anymore, but to Jesus Christ. The third F, forgiveness. This problem of being true to yourself is that it really isolates you. You're saying, I don't want to listen to other voices, I just need to listen to my voice. But here's the thing, right? All of us in this room have done things we regret. There are things that keep us up, that haunt us. There's guilt, there's shame, where we hope no one will find out about. We suppress them, we hide them under a whole bunch of things. And we say, I need to forgive myself. I just need to forgive myself. But it doesn't work. We need an outside voice. Have a listen to what God says. Verse 13. He forgave us all our sins, having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he's taken it away, nailing it to the cross. When Jesus says, I forgive you, he's not saying, ah, your sin doesn't matter anymore, let's just sweep it under the rug. No, 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 forgiveness is not forgetfulness. Jesus ain't a magician, oh, where'd your sin go? No. No. If that was the case, Sidney wouldn't be that serious. We need to actually understand, what is this forgiveness talking about? So let me use an example. Uh, Let's say, for example, Stu. Stu's here in the front. Let's say, for example, Stu takes my phone and he smashes it, right? To a million pieces. I know that's out of character. Stu's a nice guy. But let's say he does that, right? And then he says to me, oh, James, I'm sorry. Here's 500 bucks, the worth of the phone. What would that be? That would be justice, right? He's wronged me. He's paid the money back justice. But if I said to Stu, Stu, I forgive you. Don't need to pay. Where's that debt gone? Has it evaporated? No, no, no. I cop it. I absorb it. It's on me. See, that's true not just with money, right? But you know when someone really hurts you, profoundly hurts you? There's this sense where they've taken something from you where they owe you something. And our general inclination is to punch back, to yell back, to say some nasty words back, right? Because we want them to experience the hurt that we've experienced, that, that we want justice. But if you forgive, you're carrying the debt yourself. You absorb it. You cop it. See, someone has to always pay for every debt. And when it comes to Jesus, he can offer you complete forgiveness because ultimately he's the one we sinned against. He's the one we owe our debt to. He's the one we have wronged, God himself. Now, Jesus didn't come out arms swinging. He didn't wish evil upon us. He didn't yell at us. You know what he did? Verse 14, having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he's taken it away and nailing it to the cross. What he's saying there is because Jesus took our sin at that cross, he absorbed it, he paid for it, he removed it to give you forgiveness. If you could forgive yourself, then Jesus didn't have to come. But he came to forgive what you could never forgive about yourself. There's something probably in your mind now for a number of us where you're thinking, yeah, I know Jesus forgives, but he can't forgive that. There's something for a lot of us where yeah, that's off limits. It's too big, too bad. But have a look at that beautiful word. He forgave us all our sins. The problem ain't how big or bad it is. The problem is if you hold on to it. But Jesus he gives all our sins, even the one that you're thinking of right now. Because he pins it off you, and he pinned it to that cross and copped it. The last F, freedom. Verse 15. And having disarmed the powers and authorities... He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing, triumphing over, the, over them by the cross. You know, when Jesus died on that cross, it looked like Satan had won. I mean, Satan's enemy, Jesus, had died. But that was a moment of pure victory. And Satan lost big time. The imaging there is, is verse 15. It's a bit foreign to us, but it's picking up the idea of when the Romans won a battle the general would show to all that he was victorious by having the enemy, some soldiers or generals of the foreign army parade behind him. So it was clear who had won, clear who was victorious. And Paul does not want you to miss out that what Jesus had done with Satan at that cross, it's not a secret, it's not a side note. He wants you to know who's victorious. That Jesus parades around and Satan is the loser because of the cross. That Satan may have deceived us, but he did not deceive Christ. Satan may have captive, taken captive us, but he's not taken captive Jesus Christ. He was victorious. I'll tell you why that's important for you to know. Because in our minds, all sorts of things pop into our head. And in our era of being true to ourselves, we think, well, they must be true. But not necessarily. Just because it pops into your head doesn't mean it's automatically true. Because Satan loves to whisper lies into your head, like, did God really say you're forgiven? You? He loves to whisper things, say, you don't need forgiveness. You're pretty good. Things like, I think you're missing something. Christ is not fully in your life. Words that come into your head are not necessarily true. You need to look at what God's word says and says, this is who I am. This is who I am. And as you do that, you're reminding Satan of the victory of the cross. You're reminding him that he lost big time. And I am who God says I am. Not the random thoughts that pop into my head. Let me end by a story I heard recently. In India there was a, a meteor that landed in a field and uh, people were amazed by this meteor that they, this bit of alien stone it was just magical and so they took pieces of it and went home, put it in their fridge they had a bit of this magic it was found out not that long after that meteor was actually poo from a plane that had crystallised on the way down <laughs> It's not what they thought. (laughs) And ideas will come at us all the time, brothers and sisters. True to yourself is the most recent. But idea, idea will come and we will think they're magical. They're amazing. They'll captivate our hearts for a moment. But we need to see them what they truly are. Deceptive, hollow, based on human tradition and spiritual forces. But we must take every idea captive, every thought captive and make it obedient to Jesus Christ. That Christ is all. That you have been given a fullness in Christ and nothing can empty you of that. That yes, our flesh is the problem, but God is the solution and made you alive and that can never go. That he has given you a forgiveness that you are forgiven. And if he gives what you could never forgive about yourself. And he's given you a freedom, a victory. The power says, This is who I am. This is who I am, because God says so. Let me pray. Gracious Lord. We are surrounded by a market of ideas. We ask, Lord, that you would give us wisdom to take every idea, whether it's new or old, whether we were raised with it or it's fresh on the market, that we would take every idea make it captive, that we would filter it through you, Lord Jesus, to know that you are the head of every power and authority, that you, Christ, are all are all we've got. Amen.